Hi, everybody. I'm Dan. And I'm Mike. So welcome to this one-shot edition of 15-Minute Film Fanatics. This is the show where we usually talk about movies, but on this one shot, we want to talk about something that Mike and I both responded to this uh, last week, which was the passing of Norm MacDonald. I heard about it. I texted Mike. I said, RIP Norm. Mike said, what? And like many other people, we ended up going down the rabbit hole and watching Norm clips. And and I, I think he was one of the funniest people alive. And so we knew we had to do a show about him. So Mike, what, what's your deal? Well, I want to talk about the rabbit hole because it's a fascinating concept. Um, you showed me an, an online article that said, you know, that said that uh, work productivity last week was down because people are just watching Norm videos all day. Correct. The comedian Bill Burr said on his podcast that uh, if you start, if you watch one Norm video, you can kiss like the next three hours goodbye because because you can't stop. And that got me thinking uh, that that's true. And if you if you like it, it's something that you that you want to watch a lot of. And I was I was fascinated about that, and I was curious about that. But I want to get your take first because I, I have a couple of opinions. Why is it that once you watch him and you laugh and you respond to it, you can't watch another comedian? You're not really watching comedy. I think because Norm Norm did this thing where he told jokes, and he's you know everyone's seen the moth joke, the professor of logic joke. We've all seen those, but. I, I think one of Norm's great innovations is, and, and Mike and I have talked about this before, is that you know his feigned ignorance, right? His 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 feigned dimwittedness is is a great bit. Like Jim, when Jim Gaffigan does the audience voice, like I don't think that's funny. Like and uh, Dean Martin, you know, made a career out of pretending to be drunk. Many many times he had apple juice in that glass, and but it was part of his shtick. So part of Norm's shtick was to be like kind of like a guy that couldn't get three thoughts together, but. To do that took a lot of skill. He was a reader. I mean, I've listened to his podcast for even when in the early days when it was when it was really really low rent. Um, he he read Nabokov. He read Alice Munro. He read Cormac McCarthy. Um, I read his memoir. I thought it was great. You kind of felt like he was like like the funniest guy at your office. And sometimes he would tell a joke, and sometimes he wouldn't. He would just talk, and it was just funny. And I think that people like us might think they were funny, but Norm really was like a funny human being. And there's something satisfying about that. I had an uncle um, who would rib everybody and like, like Thanksgivings could get very awkward, but um, there, there was a part of shtick and the beauty, the beauty of shtick versus jokes is that when you attribute characteristics to other, to other people that, you know, that you have to present a fake version of yourself. And part of shtick is also presenting a fake version of other people. Like when, when Norm picks on Adam, when he's doing his podcast or something like that, you, you you're never you're always in on the joke in that you know that that whatever he ascribes to Adam is also fake and the things that he ascribes himself is fake because the phenomenon that you're talking about is super true. Norm is not a very well educated person, but he was a very well read person. But he never wanted to appear that way. Sure, he would go out of his way not to appear that way because I think that it would have messed up what was going on. And, and I think that that kind of avuncular relationship to the audience is why you can't go back to a comedian doing other material. Like I'll give you, I'll give you, Oh, you go ahead. Oh, this avuncular is the perfect word. He's like avuncular is the absolute perfect word. He's like that funniest person in your family. You, you love him. Like you like, like you love family and you can't talk anybody else into it. Right. The, 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 <laughs> the, be- the beauty of it is that we're talking to like maybe 5% of our audience that right. knows what our, what we're talking about, but you can't talk somebody else into why Norm is funny. They either experience it or they don't like my, I think the most representative bit is he did, he did stand up about um, biting his tongue. Have you ever seen this? No, go ahead. 
and he just said, you know, you're just walking down the street and you bite your tongue and he goes, you guys, uh, you know what I'm talking about? You got, I got like a uh, 50, hundred teeth in here. And you know, what's, what's funny about that. They're all right around my tongue. So it's really hard. And like the, his whole bit is just about biting his tongue. Now you go to other comedians, you know, so you run out of norm videos and you go watch other, other comedians and you watch people, um, take funny things that happened to them and try to make careers out of them. Yeah. And, and it's like, it's really, he just walked into gunfights with a knife and he made a whole career out of that. Uh, and even after people told him to stop doing that, people told him that that would kill his career. He turned down a lot of opportunities, uh, you know, in, in order to kind of stay true to the kind of comedy that he went, wanted to do. And I'm not talking about anything raunchy either, like his, but his biting his, your tongue bit is perfect. It's really, it's really four or five minutes, which is truly about nothing. It's just um, straight delivery and character and not no individual joke is funny, but he's got this field of normness around him. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So I've never seen, it's funny. Like I, that's like the, maybe the one clip I've never seen the field of normness. That's exactly what it is. So we've seen um, when he was on Seinfeld's uh, comedians and cars getting coffee. And he does that thing, that clip of, of Kojak, like she's American. And what is it? The 4th of July and apple pie. She was a hooker. Like he is literally just recreating a scene from Kojak and Jerry puts his hand over his face and falls over laughing in the booth because it's so funny. He, he really is like, and again, like the, the, the shield of nor or the, the aura of normness is what makes him retelling a Kojak scene. Hilarious. He feels comfortable. I think the reason other comedians like him, especially is because he feels comfortable to go into situations where he should have a joke. Yes. But he doesn't have one, right. but he somehow survives. But somehow the I, joke. Good. Yeah. Somehow the jokes are woven in there, though, like in his last Netflix special, Hitler's dog, when he starts like, I made my pork chop. And then I said, OK, what will I do to have before the pork chop? Well, I'm going to eat a loaf of bread. Now, I think a lesser comedian that was in front of the, the classic brick wall stand up thing would say, what is it? You ever notice that uh, it's, they're always you ever notice. Right. Do you ever notice somebody go to a restaurant? They always feel, try to fill you up with the bread. Uh, what's up with that? But he just his punch on this the loaf of bread. So it is a joke he worked on, but it's a joke that's like snuck in under the auspices of conversation. Yeah, no, no, it's um, it's 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 deconstructed like he is to a cook. He is <laughs> he is to other comedians as a chef would be to a cook. Um, yeah, that's it, what, great. What's, what's really, you know, what's really interesting is he's thinking about the the elements of the joke. And I, I'm not I don't mean to say that he didn't have material, um, you know, or didn't trust the material, but the material was fluid. It's inimitable. Um, there's other people that can write jokes for other people when they pick on their comic voice. You know, I sure. think that he he knew people that used to write for, um, you know, Dangerfield and, and guys like that. But it's very difficult to write for Norm or imagine somebody else trying to do his material. It wouldn't work. Right. And of course, it's all written because like, for example, like in that same special, that whole great thing he has about Michael Collins going to the moon about the lunar capsule. Right. And he's like, it's like, are they playing golf out there? And he's like, no, we, we, uh, we you'd have you have much more fun in the lunar capsule. I much prefer the lunar capsule. <laughs> so so again, if you and I had to stand up in front of the brick wall and, and catch a rising star, that's what we would do. We'd be like, ah, oh, what did it take to be that third guy? What did it take to be Michael? Collins? But but Norm makes it sound like it's observation like at the moment that he's just sitting there thinking of stuff to talk about but of course it's been honed and of course it's been practiced but but it, it comes across as so conversational well because the the delivery requires time uh, there's there's the, the beauty of 
some of his comedy is it's referential to shared experience. That's why Jerry's laughing at Kojak because he knows right. it, exactly what he's talking about. So he's he's very successfully drawn in the, into the circle. But sometimes Norm has to give you that information and then make you forget. It's like the punchline of his bit about the six million dollar man right. from the same from the same special now doing commercials for hearing aids and trying to negotiate his contract. And he remembers when he was the guy. You know, and now they're they're trying to rush him to the set to give him like $150 to do some shitty commercial. And he says, is there any way that you could write into the contract? I'm sad. I'm sad. I'm sad. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> it's, such, that's... it's such a beautiful punchline. And you could write that and it would be funny. Uh, but you can't you couldn't necessarily write in the pauses. The pauses are just like jazz. It's like yes. it's like jazz is to written music. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. You know, that reminds me. You, do you know who Norm's favorite comic was? I don't. Bob Hope. His favorite comic was Bob Hope because he said many times Bob Hope had no jokes. He would just walk around with his hands in his pockets and be like, ah, get a load of that. And that, of course, Bob Hope did have a, t- a team of writers. He had a whole staff of, of people trying to cultivate his Bob Hopeness. But that whole thing of like just walking around with your hands in your pockets and, and making these, these observational wisecracks, Norm latched onto that. He said he loved Bob Hope. What a comedian. We wish you uh, the best as you go down the, the norm wormhole, which we'll all be doing for a, at least another week. Um, it, it's truly, you know, it's funny. Like when I saw that, that he passed, I really did think to myself, oh, I really wanted to see him. Like I, I would, you know, I really pay a lot to go see him live. And then it just, uh, it's, that's, we won't be able to do that. Yeah. He, he cultivated this whole thing about himself that he doesn't like social media and he's not going to do it, you know, and that, that he's by himself right. and he would be pretending not to read. And then uh, it's one thing for somebody uh, to write a bunch of checks about themselves, you know, in the public persona. And it's another thing when nine years later, something like that gets cashed. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you'll uh, catch our show next week when we start talking about movies again. Bye-bye.